lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. So thanks for joining me today. We've got a really great show today. We've got Genevieve Pitrow, and she is a purpose consultant. She used to be a successful TV marketing executive, but her life was dramatically changed, and she found her purpose when a six-year-old girl's question changed it and it motivated her to jump off the corporate ladder. She founded the nonprofit Pajama Program, which this year celebrates its 21st anniversary, having delivered more than 7 million magical gifts of new pajamas and new books to children through their 63 chapters across the United States. I am a pajama lady. I can appreciate the value and the beauty of a new pair of pajamas. Now, Guinevieve is a professional speaker and purpose consultant. She shares life and leadership lessons from her award-winning bestseller, Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas, How to Transform Your Life, Embrace the Human Connection, and Lead with Meaning. The book came out during the COVID shutdown, received rave reviews, and it came at the same time that her TED Talk, One Idea Plus a Human Connection Equals Seven Man Pajamas. This all came at the same time and created quite the roar. Her book has received many awards, and she's used that knowledge to and applied it in the leadership and team building and the bottom line. She created the Purpose ACER Business Training Program, and the, pro- the program helps leaders create a shared culture by aligning the goals of the company and management with the goals of its employees. Genevieve, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, it's so nice to speak with you. Well, and and I think, you know, that your timing couldn't have been any more on point because COVID shutdown really did change our lives. And for many people, their purpose and their passion was taken away from them, whether they they wanted to lose it or not. You're absolutely right. You, You are. It just set everybody back and everybody had a dream, put it further on the back burner, right? Right. And and those that had that dream and that had been working it for years, you know, all of a sudden it just maybe because of the industry, if you're in the hospitality industry or that, you know, just right before your eyes, it, it disappears. And how disheartening is that? And, you know, I work with a lot of people with anxiety and depression. And honestly, I have said and I'm and I'm grateful for this, that I've had so many clients come back to the Brain Performance Center because the just the pandemic it just stretched us all to, you know beyond our our normal means and we all met stress in a whole different way and first thing to go when we get stressed to the point you know when we get in that fight or flight stage when we're just oh don't know what to do we forget about our purpose you're right everything is different now and and we've all changed every single one of us um, you know, but there are certain things that we all still need. Just um, have to be brave enough to connect again and to get through that awkward stage and to just remember, reignite those dreams and the passion we've had. Amen to that, sister. So tell us, <laughs> how do we do that? Um, well, 
first, let me talk about purpose. We all have one. And I never knew that. I didn't know that. I thought I was lucky, lucky to have a job. But um, in, in a way, my purpose found me in meeting a little girl. When, you know, I was climbing the corporate ladder and I had an, an inner voice ask if this is the next 30 years of your life. Is this enough? And I realized being single and climbing that corporate ladder for 12 years was just going to lead me to a, a lonely life in, you know, another 10, 20 or 30 years. And I went to emergency shelters to read with children wanting to, to give back. And a little girl that, that was, they were all sleeping in their clothes and, you know, just trying to get through while their information was processed in this emergency shelter. This little girl, when I brought pajamas, asked me, what are pajamas? That changed everything. And I was obsessed with getting children in these situations pajamas. And I realized that's, that was my purpose. That was my special thing to do. And it filled me like nothing had ever filled me before. And we all have that. And I think so many of us know that either we're living our purpose or we're not. And so many of us know what we'd love to be doing. You know, that age old question, what would you do if you didn't have to worry about money? There's always a way to bring that purpose into your life and just make you smile and light you up. And I work with people all the time who think they'd have to jump like I did. I just have that crazy gene that makes me jump. There's so many ways, and I teach them, this is a slide, to bring that purpose into your life in a small way. Keep the job, but add that, give yourself that gift. It's really a gift. So that's, that's the purpose part of what we need so badly right now. Okay, so that I guess that's the first step. And, you know, purpose means a lot of different things to a lot of people. And how do you when somebody asks you, well, how do you define purpose? What do you say? I say it's what you're, you know, deep down, you're meant to do, you know, what you can do that makes a difference not only in your life but what you know you can do to change others to help others to be supportive what is your talent what is your gift what is your passion what makes you just light up when you're doing it it can be anything from pet related to working with seniors to working with numbers to teaching but so often we're not doing that for pay because we sometimes don't think it's possible to do it for pay or it's too late to switch when we realize I really, really love singing. And everybody knows I do an exercise. I put it on my blog for anyone who wants to look at this 90 minute exercise. It's on GenevievePituro.com, my blog. And it's, it's 90 minutes to start. And it's a way to discover really what's deep down that you've been pushing back back far well I think you know we all need a little help tapping in and and you know it's funny because I think if we can all just stop slow down and listen to what that that chit chat's going on in our head we all know what we really want to do it's just that we don't either we don't believe that we can do it so we don't slow down and listen to it or we just 
we get so caught up in the world, we'll tell ourselves things like, well, the times, the timing's not right. You know, after the pandemic, I've heard that a lot from my clients. Well, the timing's not right. And my only response to that is if not now, when? You're right, right. And that, and we have to listen to that voice that's a little lower than those chit-chatty voices in our head. It's, it's in our heart. It's in our soul. Whatever you want to call it, it is not the head. It's very different. It's our true self. And so often, I mean, our heart gives us life. You know, we, we need that. We'll do anything if we get sick or if it's um, in danger to fix our heart. But we don't pay attention to it on a day-to-day basis. And it's where we should live. It's where we should, our t- intuition is what we should be guided by. It should be our, our North Star. So my exercise starts with being quiet, like you said. Being alone with a paper, with paper and a pen, not a laptop, and getting down to some of the questions I ask and some of the exercises I do, because it isn't in our head. Our head's going to fight us and say, "How? How can you change now? How can you make a living singing? You don't even can't even carry a tune." Well, that doesn't mean we shouldn't bring it into our life and let it sing to us for us. Well, and it, and we do. I think we do have to be that person that brings it to life. I think, you know, if we're just going to sit back and wait for it to happen, chances are it's probably not. I mean, that's the way it happened with you. All of a sudden you realized, wow, is this what I want to do the next 30 years? No. And you stepped up and and you made a change. So, you know, and, and I think that you talk about the importance of the human connection. And that's what so many of us lost during the pandemic. And some of that was forced. I mean, we couldn't visit our families. Um, with We couldn't necessarily travel and be, be together on holidays and do those things that have been part of our history and part of our life experience. And when we don't get that, then we, then we just disconnect. You're right. You're right. And and as I said before, everything is different now. Every one of us has changed. But the one thing that we share is that we need each other to move forward. We're, we're now all yearning for compassion, communication, patience, respect. And, and we look to each other for for support and encouragement and guidance and trust. We want to believe in each other. We want to share our stories. Lord knows we have a lot of stories. And most importantly, we want to be inspired and inspire each other to make changes that are right for ourselves and for our families and then for our communities and for the greater good. And by trusting each other, even in awkward circumstances where you haven't been in a group or you haven't been with some people in two years, to start a conversation, to share something to ask a heartfelt question, you know, not just how are you doing, you know, just to maybe offer something that you've learned or just to say, have you, has, have you changed any of the things that you were doing on your own? Have you made some different decisions? So many of us are reflecting on our lives. You know, I've been doing that and I'm wondering if you have, I don't think I'm the only one. And it's just, People want to share and nobody knows how to start. I think you're right. And I think that 
in some some cases, you know, they we used to know how to start, but we've forgotten how. And uh, when people started coming back to work, I was amazed. The road rage in Dallas was unbelievable. And I did quite a few radio shows talking about that. And basically, I, I just think that people forgot how to play nice. And their stress level was so high that it, it, it keeps you stuck. And you'll hear me talk about that fight, flight, or freeze mode, because that, I think, is what really keeps us out of balance and out of balance with our our communities, out of balance spiritually, and out of balance with ourselves. Yes, and I think when we're talking about being with groups and having easy conversations two years ago, those were conversations that came naturally because we spoke from our heads. We spoke about what was happening in the world. We spoke about our jobs. We spoke about our our families, we spoke about our routine, things that were very familiar. And it was, a lot of it was from the head. Now, since everything's changed, everything's much more emotional. We've been through the ringer. We've been through an emotional traumatizing crisis and we're all still figuring it out, right? We're tiptoeing around each other. We're tiptoeing around ourselves. We're tiptoeing around our families, the closest people to us. And it's, it's very different. A lot of people are uncomfortable speaking from the heart. They're not used to it. And they want to revert back to the head language. But it's, it's not, people aren't as receptive anymore to just the same old, you know, routine. Things have changed and they want more of a connection. And it's, it's a very different way to communicate now. Well, I think you're right. It is. And I think that, you know, when you've been denied something for so long, it's okay. I'm not I'm not just accepting. And I think that's why we're going through the great resignation. So many people are quitting their jobs. They've realized, why am I doing this job? I've never enjoyed it. I don't like it. Life is too short. Life is too precious. And I, I think that 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 has impacted a lot of my clients and they feel like I'm not settling. I am, I, I'm not settling. And I encourage that. That's personal growth. Yes. Yes. I agree with you 100%. I mean, we saw that life is short on TV. We saw it in our neighbors. We saw it in our towns. We got a scare. Our families were at risk. Our seniors were at risk. That's, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a big aha moment for all of us. And, and, to think about going back to the way we lived for so many people, that is just not an option emotionally. You're right. That that truly is. So, you know, now you have kind of channeled your energy back into the corporate world. Do you how do you find people there? Are, are they you know, some people I know are just so happy that they can work from home. They've seen the value. They love being able to have dinner. You'll be home for dinner with your family. I mean, now the, the cost of gas is so outrageous the, that that puts a whole nother negativity on the commute. So how do you find the corporate world is adjusting? Well, I'm back in the corporate world in that I'm working with leaders and teams to find a common and shared culture, just right. a, about what you were saying was perfect. 
people are working from home. People aren't settling anymore. People have families that have, they have to consider in their time away and the time and the gap and everything. So it's a very different workspace. It's your own workspace at home. It's the leaders might be, some people might be working all by themselves in an office that was 20 full or more. So it's, it's a very different landscape and the same situation. We're all walking on tiptoes and we're all trying to figure out, we don't want to offend anyone, but we don't want everyone to be so disconnected. So how do you find a place where everybody's comfortable? Where is the, the shared purpose? Where are the values? Where can we agree? How can we lean on each other, see each other, contribute to each other, work together and still not rob anyone of their their meaningful day. And it's there are a lot of scenarios. There's not going to be one scenario like there used to be. Everybody goes to work from nine to five or more. It's not going to be that way. People are, are shifting. Everything is shifting. Some people are going in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Some are not. Some are being forced to or they lose their job. Some are very are very lenient leaders or they can be very lenient and they're just dealing with it. But my work is to try to make everyone comfortable or find a way to be comfortable to move forward and not have anyone not listened to, not have the business jeopardized, um, you know, not not to be um feel like it's, it's a boss and that you're in the military if you're you know, an employee and for the, the leader to realize that maybe there's a, a compassionate element that's been missing and a little bit of that would add a lot to the to the team morale and rallying so the leaders that you're working with do you think that they've seen what the loss of that human connection can do um i mean because I have a saying, you know, strategy, strategy and culture. They some people value strategy. Some people value culture. In my opinion, you know, it's the culture that will put you on the top that makes you the leader. Right. Well, you can have a strategy on paper all you want. If nobody is going to be inspired by you as a leader, there's nothing. Nothing is going. You're not going to make your goals. There, There isn't a strategy except the one you wrote by yourself on paper because nobody's going to want to, you know, rally for you and, and be there for you. But I think most leaders are realizing that they personally have to make some changes. And that's hard. You know, people don't mind change, but they mind being changed. And it's hard. It's hard to say I'm forced to change. And it's going to take a little time. It's just going to take a little time. Well, I think you're right. I think it's going to take a little time. I think it's going to take a a new set of, of guidelines to operate from. And you know that that brings to question values. Do our values change? Right, right. Well, I think firstly, when we talk to leaders and teams, what are the values and have they been communicated pre-COVID? People are always looking for, especially younger people are always looking for how any organization they're part of contributes to the greater good, contributes to the community. Was that happening? Were there values that were commonly known? Was there good communication? Was there participation? 
was it a was everybody buying in or at least respecting that was everybody heard about what's valuable what's important what their values are and i think that there was a big hole in that i think there was a little bit of that now it's going toward being a lot more of that which is i think it is better for the greater good if everybody's listened to well, I think you're right there. I think that we're going to, and this is this is my mantra that I've used for, it got me through when the tornado in 2019 destroyed my office, but I think we're all going to come back bigger and better and stronger. I think so. And, and if there are some people who are not comfortable with that, then they will find another, another avenue. You know, they just, I think that the, the majority of people want exactly what you said. They they want to be in a in a more compassionate, respectful, trusting situation, and that's who they want to be surrounded by. People who inspire them, who they trust, and it's it's going to go in that direction. And anybody who's not flowing that way will have to find another way. So, what's the timeline for that? I mean, it's- oh, I wish I had a crystal ball. <laughs> But change takes time, you know, for change to be sustainable, it takes time. I mean, it makes me think, you know, this may put into light organization development. Maybe we'll stop and we'll take a whole nother look at that. I think you're right. I think a lot of things are going to change. And I think um, some will move faster. I think the smaller companies will move faster because they can get everybody to the table. Uh, physically if they want to and they can they can talk to each other easier because they're a smaller group and they can make the rules together easier the i think the time it's going to take for larger organizations to get everybody on the same page is going to be longer you know and and what will the what will their rules be and it's there are a lot of moving much many more moving pictures many more moving parts in a large company, especially if they're not all in one city, right? So you have people with different cultures in larger organizations because they live in different cities and it's very, it's very complicated. So that will take longer. Well, that's my estimation. And and not just different cities, but, you know, international companies where the time zone alone makes it so hard to even have a, a good conversation. Right. And then you add the awkwardness or the newness of a topic. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It is going to take some time for people to get comfortable. Well, and as time goes on, I hope that people continue to, to look for that because, you know, sometimes we tend to lose interest as time goes on. It, we just kind of lose sight of it. So, you know, that makes me think about how do you how do you help people? I always have a saying, keep your eye on the prize. How do you help people keep their eye on the prize? Well, what's the prize, right? So if the prize is a workforce that for the most part rallies for each other, for the leader, for the goals, and of course the bottom line, then what does it take to get there? And once you put together um, the bullet points, so to speak, of what your values are and what you are proud of and what you are working toward, 
every day and that is communicated, then I think that will lead to that prize, whatever that prize is. And every organization has a different prize. That's And I think that prize has to have something in it for everybody individually because and, yeah, and there, you're right. And there's there certainly is no reason why it can't. Um, that's for sure. But I just feel like that when we truly want to keep our, you know, to be motivated, we it, it all comes down to the old question of, well, what's in it for me? And I don't think there's anything wrong with asking that question. You know, we've got a few minutes before we, we go to break. And let's before we go to break, let's think about that. Because so many people feel like they feel guilty when they think that there should be something in there for them. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think what you said before is true. Right now, fewer people are feeling guilty for saying, I want meaning in my life. What are you going to do for me? And I don't think they're saying it in a rude way. I think they're saying it in an honest way that is a reflection of what they've decided that they would do a few years ago that they're deciding, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's not good for me. It's not healthy for me. It's not good for my my family or my goals. And I I think that's okay. I think that everybody has, we all have a right to feel respected and to feel like we're contributing and to be valued and to be shown that we're valued. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I'm not, and that certainly is not saying that people have to go around, you know, forcing things or demanding things. No, but questioning and making decisions that are good for them and having an honest conversation with the person who works, you know, works with you or that you work for to say, can we look at this? You know, we're, we're all changing. What are your thoughts? These are my thoughts. Is there some place that we can get to that, that makes us both feel like we're, we're part of the same thing. So I don't, I don't think it's bad. It just sounds bad. What's in it for me? Because that's from the old, the old habit of thinking that we used to think was selfish and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't put it that way anymore. What's in it for me? Just that I want to, I want to be fulfilled. I want to feel good. I want to give something of myself that I love when I go to work. And can I do that here? And how can I do that here? Well, I think you're, you're absolutely right. People feel good when they're giving it, you know, nobody feels good if they know they're just take, take, taking. I feel a lot better when I know I'm giving something, helping something. So I think that that's, that is a, a good point to bring out. Because and when we, you're appreciated, right? Everybody wants uh, to be appreciated. Absolutely. And not only appreciated, but, you know, we want to feel connected. We want to feel like whatever it is that I contribute, it's valued. People care about it. We want to feel like that our, uh, that we belong. And exactly. I, I think that loss of belonging was something I heard a lot during the pandemic because for so many people we couldn't go to church you're there that community was lost uh, right. for for me i couldn't go to the gym for six weeks that community was lost and right. just that that yes i could go outside and i could take a walk and that's exactly what i did but i really didn't have that belonging feeling so when we come back from break we'll talk more We'll be back after these messages. 
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Imagine life as a shopping mall Santa. For one month a year, thousands of men don the suit, white beard, and answer the question asked most by the children who sit in their laps. Why are there so many Santas? If you're interested in becoming a shopping mall Santa, it's recommended that you enjoy being with kids rather than make a lot of money. If you don't quite have the chuffy body type for Santa, such as a large belly, pippin face, or long white beard, don't worry, padding and a fake beard are happily supplied. Pippin face means a round red face. Most companies who hire look-alike Santas have to train them in the areas of latest trends and toys, the names of his reindeer, and his address at the North Pole. And there's always a long wait to see Santa. What's the word for the fear of long waits? Macrophobia. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Well, we're back and we're just going to switch gears on you. You know, we spent the first half of the show and we talked a lot about how purpose can be applied in leadership and in the business, the organizational world, but it can also be applied in everyday life. So let's talk a little bit, Genevieve, about how on a personal level people can focus on their purpose and activating that in their life? Well, I think for for my work, there are a couple of options. I mentioned them before. If someone is really in a position to make a jump or they feel that they want to make a jump and change what they were doing completely to what they want to do because they've learned the hard way. I've spent so many years, life is short, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to take a chance. That's a jump, and that, bravo. That's, that's, some of us have that gene, and it's, if it's all in, then there are so many ways to approach it. And depending on what skills they have and what skills they can afford and who they know, they can figure out how to start making that their income earning career, or if they don't need an income, how they can best contribute with as many hours as they're willing to put in. So that's a great freedom. Financially, if you can, that's a great freedom. 
And it's also a great feeling when you put your whole heart and soul into something that you love. It's very scary. I know <laughs> it's, I'm not going to say it's, it's not, it's super scary, but there's also an exhilaration that comes with knowing that you are taking that chance and trusting in the universe, your, your God and your human connections, which are so important to support you. And if you can listen to your intuition, all the better. And then for those who have a job that they like, or they just would rather go a little slower, then I think people should consider the slide, find out what it is, or if you know what that is, and find a way for an hour a week to spend time in that area. Singing, maybe you can take a lesson, maybe you can join a choir, maybe you have a friend who sings and the two of you can sit down and make it a, a regular, you know, afternoon to sing some things, or maybe your friend can give you some pointers. Maybe you can learn about um, an instrument. There are so many ways to bring what you love into your life. And it, you, you'd be amazed at the change in your attitude, in your uh, soul, and the people in your world will notice that you are lighter, that you are happier. And it's because this has been missing and that place is supposed to be lit up in you is, is gone dark. And even, even the slide, even a little time every week doing what you love will, will just light up you and everyone around you. Well, you know, I couldn't agree more with that. During the pandemic, I'd always wanted to paint. And so oh. during the pandemic, I decided that I was going to paint. And my son-in-law, bless his heart, he would get on, he's a, He's a very creative artist. He's fabulous. But he would get on Zoom with me <laughs> and say, okay, <laughs> okay, you know, literally, and just kind of, and really it was more support than anything. Just this is how you can mix colors and this is how you can, you know, and there's no right way to do it. And and it was so, it was very, and I, I have that picture outside of my office and I named it my heart and my soul. So, oh. it, yeah, it really did. It really did lighten me uh, up. And, and it bonded the, you. It oh. did. Oh, very much. I mean, the, the pandemic brought out a whole lot in me. I decided to go back and get a Ph.D. And oh, good. that's that I'm in my this. I'll finish up my coursework this year and then I'll start my dissertation next year. And now here's, I don't know where this idea came from. I decided I'd learn how to play golf. And Oh, wow. I think I do know where it came from. During the pandemic, I valued being outside so much because I felt like, you know, that my freedom, that restriction, because mm -hmm. in the state of Texas, the governor shut down every, every business that was non-essential for four or five weeks. And I was shut down. So, I mean, I think that's yeah. that's just that feeling of being outside and going. I could I could walk anywhere I wanted to go. Yeah. Yeah. But and golf is so humbling. I'm not so sure that was I think that might have been my worst idea. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it has certainly taught me a lot about myself and my need to develop patience. So. Everything and that you have we have good stories do. to tell about all these things. Oh, 
Absolutely. And and one of the things that I've learned how to do with through golf is really laugh at myself. That's great. That's a great story to tell someone if you if you don't know what to say to somebody you just met and it seems awkward, you can just say, Oh, I can't believe I tried golf and the only thing I learned was how bad I am or something. Absolutely. It's and stories has is such an important way that we communicate. Everybody loves a story. And I feel like that we can connect with it. We can reflect on it. We can imagine around it. It's just, a, it's such a, an effective interaction way to communicate with everybody because everybody has a story. You're right. You're right. And if you start telling your stories, Everybody will also have stories and they'll start telling their stories. Absolutely. And, and, you know, laughter is one thing that I think when we talk about that human connection, laughter will bring us together. Humor brings us together in a way that nothing else does. You're right. Everybody, everybody needs to let the load go every once in a while. That's not always so easy, though. I mean, I, there are people that just have, I admire, they have got the best sense of humor. And it, instead of sometimes I'm like, well, I didn't get that. What are they laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> but then I laugh at myself. So that, you know, that, that yeah. makes it come out okay too. Yeah. Well, you know, for our listeners out there that are struggling, that feel like their purpose is to be a mother. And which is a great purpose. I, I'm that's one of mm-hmm. mine. But their purpose is to be a wife. But they define their purpose in a role that does does things for other people, which I'm certainly all about. But I think everybody's got to have a purpose that's that's just theirs. Do you agree? Yes, I think you could be and have more than one thing. So I think you can be the best mother you can be and you can also love you know to to work with pets or you can also love to play an instrument or you can love a job you know so I don't think that you you have to be one or the other and if one fills you up and you know and that's and that's enough and it really does then that's fine well it and I agree with you you know like I for a long time, being the best mother was so important to me. Now my boys are 34 and I'll always be their mom and I'll always be there for them. But it doesn't carry the same weight. It doesn't. I'm not worried about them getting home safely anymore. Right. You want to express yourself now in a different way. Absolutely. And I think that as we grow, I mean, we all talk about personal development and personal growth. Um, That's important that we continue to learn how to express ourselves. I do, too. I do, too. And and I I think it's it's scary for some people who haven't had that freedom or who haven't given themselves the permission to discover what they love beyond being a wife and a mom or beyond the job that they have or the role that they have. And, you know, it can be scary. Some people can find it exhilarating and some people can be scared out of their wits. <laughs> so for those that are scared out of their wits, what do you tell them? <laughs> um, go slow. Find find a way to enjoy learning about yourself. You know, 
sit down as as I as I tell people, and, I, and I'm always open to talk to to somebody and, and do you know have a conversation. They can always reach me. But it's it should be an awakening of sorts. And yes, it can be frightening. People might start saying, I don't know me. I don't know what I'd like to do. I've been doing one thing and I've not never considered myself in 23 years. And now, you know, there's pressure on me. What am I going to do? I get that. I understand. I've met people like that. I've tried to help work with people like that. And you, you, you're buried in there somewhere. You are in there. The, the, authentic you that's a hundred percent you that hasn't been a hundred percent it's all in there and it just needs a, a little tlc to draw it out a little patience oh it absolutely does and and you know we're willing to be so patient with everybody else but we're not willing to be that patient with ourselves and yeah self-kindness yes self-care you know, I used to talk about self-care a, a lot, and I kind of, I've kind of shifted gears. I talk about soul care now mm. because it's really more. I mean, self-care to me used to mean okay, you exercise, you eat right, um, you drink all your water every day, and then after going through the pandemic, I realized, you know, there's more to it than that. I got to take care of my soul. I got to take yeah. care of of everything. Yes, yes, that's 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 the way to stay young at heart. And I think we're all saying, hey, can we get these two years back? Do we have to admit our age? Can we just all take two years off? That's that's an important two years for some of us. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And and it's important that we when we look at those two years, I think it's important that we feel good about them. Yes, I think we have to at some point, something good has had to have come from them whether it was right away, whether you realized early on during the pandemic that and something clicked and you were able to gain something positive. But in time, I hope we all take something positive from it and, and learned and made some changes. And I think that people want to. I truly do. I think everybody wants to look back and say, this happened and this is, you know, this is how I came out bigger and better and stronger. I'm a big yeah. believer in affirmations. What about you? Oh, yes. So what's your Absolutely. affirmation? Oh, I have one for, for every topic. I'm looking at my vision board. I'm a very big believer in positive self-talk and for setting standards for yourself and living by them and um, those that you want in your in your life and your dream, making you making sure you, I believe in those things that I am reaching for and I'm, that I'm working for them. So I think, you know, I, I try to treat myself like you were saying, the way I treat a good friend. I'd like to talk to myself gently and patiently and encourage myself and remind myself of the things that I have done. I'm accomplished and bold and confident you know, I, I reach every goal I set. Um, I serve people by helping them live their purpose. I want them to lead because I know that it serves them and the community, and I will do what I can to support them. So there, there are so many affirmations personally that I have for every part of my life. And some of them I, I have added and tweaked 
because of the pandemic and things that I, I felt and saw. Well, you know, you mentioned the vision board and I, I love, I, every couple of years I'll make a vision board and I've got my little pile of magazines going in my closet now because I'm thinking Mm -hmm. it's time for a new vision board. And Mm -hmm. I, I, for me, it just helps me dream. It helps me imagine. And it usually comes into play. Honestly, believe you've got to put out there what you're needing and what you're wanting it for it to come around. Yes, I think so too. I mean, you have to, you have to feel what you want, you know, and I teach a class on making your vision board and the pictures have to call you. You can't say, I want a big house. And then you go looking for a big house in a magazine. You have to see what calls you. If you're talking about where you want to live and what calls you when you're thinking about how you want to live and where you want to go and all, all those things that you put on the vision board, you have to feel them. It's all about energy. You know, we attract things that we, that we feel one with that feels right to us. We're, we're not going to attract something that when we look at it, yeah, it's a big house, but I don't really like that kind of house. Well, then don't put that kind of house on your vision board. Find the kind of house that really says, oh my goodness, I would feel like so good to have people come over and spend you know, the holiday here in my, my house that feels warm and has family written all over it. So it, it's all about your vibration when you're looking at a vision board. You know, there's, I, I agree with you. It's so funny because I'll just go through magazines and whatever it is, I'll just tear out a picture of, oh, that's pretty. Oh, that resonates with me. Yes, right. It's called your name. And and sometimes it's words, you know, mm-hmm. so it won't just yes. be the, the visual. Sometimes it's it's I'll see the word trust and I'm like, I saw that the other day. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. So I agree. It's, I think, an interesting exercise for everyone to take. And really, if you feel like that, you don't know what your vision is, it will speak to you. It truly will speak to you if you just trust the process and go through it. And, oh, that's pretty. Oh, organic. I love organic. And you can go off in so many different directions, but it's so amazing how it all comes together. Yes, it's a whole life that you're putting in pictures in front of you. And then before you know it, you're drawing so many of them to you. So have you ever done one? I have to cut the pictures out. I have to glue them on the poster board. And I know some people do them in Pinterest and they do them digitally. Have you ever done the digital version? No, I'm with you. I'm not a fan. Mine is all cut out and I stick stuff up and I take stuff off and I write with a marker in my hand writing because I think there's power in that. And that's how I teach. But I I understand, you know, sometimes maybe a different generations says, oh, I do that. I can, you know, do it online. I, I urge people and when I do it with them to get the magazines and I have a whole bunch of magazines to get a poster board, to get markers of different colors, to get pen, paper, scotch tape, anything like that, and scissors, and make it. There's something fun also about doing it that way. It's it's messy, and it's collagey, and it just makes you feel like a kid with the scissors and the scotch tape and the markers and pictures and things like that. And I urge people to use pictures of what they want, put their face on a picture of a scene where there's somebody in there that you say, oh, I would love to be like that 
put your face on that picture. So there's, I think it's, I think it's just fun to do it with, with physical um, paper and pen and pictures. I don't know about you, but I think fun is something that we're all really wanting to bring back into our life in a, in a bigger way. Instead of thinking about, well, I mean, and I looked at the Wall Street Journal yesterday and on page one, they're talking about the COVID viruses back. And when I saw that, I didn't read the article. I was like, oh, I don't want to read that. Then I, then I, you know, I wanted to read something a little more fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we are missing that in our lives. And, you know, when I was little, we'd go outside and play and I don't know what we were going to do. We'd figure it out when we got out there. <laughs> and it was just fun, you know, and I think everything is so organized now and people don't have as much time. So they have an hour and what can be done in an hour. That's fun. And, it, you know, we are missing it. The freedom of fun. The freedom of fun is a very, a really good way to put it. And I think that when we're having fun, when we feel that we're aligned, our goals are aligned with our, our family and with our the rest of our community, our friends, that I think that in itself makes us feel like we ha- we're more on point with a purpose. Yes, I agree. So to have a purposeful life, I mean, I don't like the word rules. I like guidelines better. Um, are there some guidelines that you could share with our listeners? Well, I think there are two two times when you have to feel good about your life and then and then it's meaningful and purposeful. When you wake up in the morning, you want to be grateful and you want to be looking forward to doing what you've got planned and to continuing what you what you did yesterday, to continue what you did yesterday and feel good about it and know that it's something that you really enjoy and that it brings joy or helps and supports others. So when you wake up, that's what you want to feel. And when you go to sleep, you want to review the day and you want to feel good when you go to sleep because you're, you're, you have eight hours if you're lucky to sleep and you, do you want to sleep on regret and, you know, angst and stress, or do you want to go to sleep in, in a peaceful way where you're, you know, like you smile, have a smile on your face. So whatever it takes to get you up in the morning, feeling good and looking forward to the day. And then what you can, how you can lay your head down on the pillow at night. Those are the sort of the barometers of, of what you, how you can, how you can measure if your life is purposeful or meaningful. And if both of those are stressful, you've got to make a change. Something is wrong. You're not in alignment. You're not in harmony. You're just off. You're doing things for the wrong reason. And something's got to change. Well, I think, you're, you know, you're right. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing I think about, it, it's what am I grateful for? And what am I thankful for? And when I go to bed at night, I like to have some nice gratitude again and gratefulness. And it's just a it it brings you into the day with a lot of energy and it takes you out at the end of the day with a feeling of, of it being at peace. You know, we've got about five minutes left. And when you think we've talked about a lot of things 
And there's a lot in your book, and we really haven't talked about the book much. So let's just spend the last five minutes talking about the book, our last four minutes, and talk and tell people a little bit about the book. Sure. It's called Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas. And the subtitle says it all, how to transform your life, embrace the human connection, and lead with meaning. And it's everything I learned jumping off the corporate ladder into this new world of following my purpose and finding it in such a strange way or it finding me and discovering what's important, life and leadership lessons. And at the end of every chapter, I sum up what I've talked about, what happened to me at that point in that chapter with heart of the matter lessons and their bullet points of those lessons that are that are bigger than just um, life lessons. They're, they're leadership lessons, and they're, some of them are so simple that we've forgotten about them or that we don't really pay attention to them because we've got bigger worries. But it really is an eye-opener, and it really puts makes, makes you feel like you have a choice every day, and you can change things. And if I can do it, anybody can. And it's okay if you've made mistakes because I talk about mine throughout the book. And some of them were pretty bad mistakes. And I also talk about the things I did right. And so I, I hope that it inspires people to know you certainly don't have to be perfect. That would be crazy. And you certainly don't have to know everything. You know, that's impossible and when you see what I didn't know, what I did, and how I had to, you know, find my way in the dark, I hope that it gives you um, some encouragement to think, oh, my God, I know a little more than that lady. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> well, I think, I think you're right. You know, and I think, if I remember correctly, I think you have a gift for our listeners, don't you? Sure, sure. Um, if anybody would like to just talk about or need, needs an ear, I'm there for an hour or hour and a half, whatever is a convenient time to just sort of brainstorm some ideas or to figure out what might be possible to make a, a small or a big change in their life, to feel that there's some meaning there where, it was, where there wasn't any before. Well, how, let's say a listener wants to take you up on that. How do they make that happen logistically? Do they go to a website or what do they do? They can, sure. They can either go to my website, GenevevePituro.com. They can email me at Gen, G-E-N, at GenevevePituro.com and just say that they heard us chatting and when, you know, they, they'd love to, to talk a little bit and they have some ideas or they're stuck whatever they'd like to say, and, and I will be there. I'll respond with some times and we'll get it done. That's that's such a generous, gracious gift, and I appreciate that. And I think that just to help people find you, Genevieve is spelled pretty conventionally, but how do you spell your last name? Well, spell it all. Genevieve is G-E-N-E-V-I-E-V-E, Pituro, P-I-T-U-R-R-O, dot C-O-M. Dot com. Thank you. You know, thank you so much for your time today. And and I know you've got a great TEDx talk and there's there's a lot of information out there that I encourage our listeners to look at. And but for me, nothing's better than a direct conversation. I'm a talker. 
So I think Me that's too. such, a, that's such a, a very generous and, and wonderful gift. Genevieve, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it so much. Thank you for the invitation to come on. Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, TogiNet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com. 